Hello and welcome to Unpacking Passions. I'm your host, Chandler. This is the show where I introduce you to some of my friends and they introduce you to the things that they care about the most. I realized something about myself recently. I love sitting with someone and listening to them talk all about the things that they care about the most. Sharing in that joy is so much fun for me, and so I wanted to turn that experience into a podcast. And this is our very first episode, so I'm super excited, and I really, really appreciate that you are listening. I don't want to waste any time. I want to jump right in. So let's meet today's guest. Well, I'm Patty Williamson, and what I do currently is I am a yoga instructor. I um, do some classes, some private client work. I have an online signature program that I do, um, and I also train other yoga teachers. And I've been doing this um, for a a little over 20 years, Um, and it is still, after all this time, my passion. Patty is passionate about helping others reconnect to themselves and reconnect to the world around them. I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation that I got to have with her. Let's listen in. This is Unpacking Passions, Episode 1, Nature and Gratitude. That's great. That's really cool. I think it's like a a privilege in a lot of ways to find something and stick with it for years and years and years. So I think, you know, if you're in a career for over 20 years, it can kind of get easy to start feeling burnout for some people. So that's awesome that it's still something that excites you today after all that time. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, I was, it's not my first career. I was in the corporate world, um, as you know, for quite a while before I sort of dropped out of that world and got into doing what I'm doing now. And um, I do feel incredibly blessed and fortunate to be able to do what I love every single day. It doesn't feel like work. And um it's great to be able to teach people how to help themselves. And so, yeah, that never gets old. I never get burnt out. So I'm very fortunate in that aspect. How did you transition from, because I mean, they're very, in, in many ways, very, very different environments, moving from the corporate world to really um, focusing more on yoga. And it's, you're almost going from like the office building to, to out into nature in, in a lot of ways. Yes. How did that transition happen for you? Well, it was, you know, it was kind of a slow buildup. I mean, after I graduated from university and started working and, you know, you sort of go through your little corporate phase and, um, you know, in those days, things changed pretty rapidly. Um, and just by virtue of circumstances and changing technology, et cetera, I eventually wound up in a corporate job that I truly loathed and was unhappy in and kind of woke up one day and thought, oh my gosh, if this wasn't me, I would be someone that I would really dislike. And I just thought that was a terrible thing. Like I didn't want to live my life (laughs) being somebody that I wouldn't even like. And so mm-hmm. I really just kind of made a decision, like, I've got to stop doing this. And it took a little bit of, you know, figuring out what I should do. I mean, I tried a few things. I was doing some artwork for a while and, um, you know, selling a little bit of custom jewelry through some galleries. But that was feast or famine with a lot more 
emphasis on famine for me. <laughs> so, um, you know, I just, I decided to get out of the city and I moved to a smaller town literally because of the outdoor, um, opportunities and, um, wound up briefly like guiding kayaking trips and working in an outdoor gear store, just kind of doing what I could. And then, um, since I'd been like really into fitness and, you know, worked out in the gym and stuff a lot, I thought, well, let me just be a personal trainer. I think I can make a better living doing that. So I started training and that's actually where things evolved from. The owner of the gym asked me if I would teach yoga. And at first I said, no, that's my personal practice. It was really very special to me and something intensely personal, almost like an intimate practice. And I didn't really want to share that, but they wore me down after about a year and um, I went ahead and, you know, got certified and started teaching yoga. And it was the biggest gift I've ever been given. Like I have never, it's like, I just knew immediately that that was what I needed to be doing. It filled my soul. It made my heart full. It just, it was the right thing. And so I've never looked back. And that's what I've been doing in some form or fashion since that very first day that they asked me to teach. So it's, it's been an interesting transition because, you know, you, what you said is correct. The worlds are completely different. I mean, they're really like opposite ends of the spectrum. And um, I just know for me that this world suits me a lot better. <laughs> the whole, you know, being in the natural world and kind of reconnecting people to the natural world and reconnecting people to themselves and to each other and to something larger than them. Um, that's really what yoga is about. It's, you know, the word yoga means union. And so it is about connection. And these days people are so disconnected not only from yeah. each, you know not only from each other but from themselves and from god or whatever they consider larger than them their creator um and yoga really is about reconnecting and so um you know that's that's it in a nutshell and who wouldn't want to help facilitate people reconnecting i mean it's the most rewarding thing i can think of <laughs> For sure. For sure. And I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, especially, and it feels, it feels like such a cliche to say, but especially this year, mm -hmm. like the disconnection that people are feeling and like, yes, we have all this technology. I mean, you and I are recording this remotely mm -hmm. in two different States, miles and miles away. Yet it's not, it's not the same as sitting across from you, you know, right. at a coffee shop or at, one of our houses or something like that. And right. So I think you're right. Reconnection is so important right now. Um, kind of jumping off of that, I was taking a look at your website mm -hmm. and your course is called Heal Yourself, Heal the Earth. Yes. Correct, right? Uh-huh. Um, can you kind of talk about what does that phrase in and of itself mean? When you talk about reconnecting with the earth, how does that translate, I guess, into like uh, bigger areas of our lives, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's kind of a wonky no, question. No, it's, it's actually a great question because they don't really seem related and yet they kind of are. So, um, you know, kind of in a nutshell, yes, this year is definitely sort of the apex of all of our issues, but really, you know, a lot of this stuff has been building and coming for a long time. But as we know, you know, the human race really, I think as a species, you know, not to be dramatic or anything, but we're in trouble. We're not doing a fantastic job of, you know, looking forward to the next generation, et cetera. It's, 
you know, just as a whole, like I said, we're more disconnected. There's, you know, higher rates of suicide than we've ever had before. We have higher instances of anxiety and depression and mental health issues. There are more physical health issues in spite of having amazing medical technology we are slowly starting to get to like the first generation that is going to have a lower life expectancy than the ones before. So, I mean, just if you look at, you know, humans in general right now, we're, you know, we could use some improvement. Um, And then from the standpoint of the earth, you know, climate change, um, deforestation, you know, you could go on and on forever about what we've done to the earth and what's happening to the earth from a natural perspective. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, a lot of people don't think that taking care of ourselves has anything to do with taking care of the earth, but they're actually pretty intimately related. So from a couple of different aspects, you can look at that. One is that the yoga tradition, which is simply a philosophy for living, um, has these sort of tenets, you know, they're sort of like, I call them the do's and the don'ts. Um, But one of the first things that you should follow if you decide to, you know, embark on a yogic path is to not do harm. And we're taught in the yoga tradition to start with ourselves, like we shouldn't harm ourselves. And that's not only in deed, but also in word and in thought. Well, when you start paying attention to nurturing yourself and not harming yourself, that sort of starts to bleed over into not harming the earth and not harming other people. So if we're not going to harm ourselves, say by, you know, eating genetically modified food sources or something like that, well, if you think about it, that has implications for the earth too. If we weren't growing genetically modified crops, we wouldn't be depleting the soil. So there's a lot of this stuff that's actually really interrelated because we forget we are part of nature. It's not like humans and the rest of creation. We're part of that, right? So what we do for ourselves, we do for each other and we do for the earth and vice versa. So, you know, part of what the program kind of tries to convey is that when we reconnect to our natural environment, which is something we've gotten away from, It helps us reconnect to ourselves and it can be really mutually beneficial. So just as a little example, one of the things that's in the program is a, I have these nature breaks that are, you know, recommended things to do to get you outside and kind of reconnect. And one of them is just, you know, I ask people to take like a 20 minute nature break with a tree, like If you've got a tree that you can actually go hang out with, that's perfect. But even if you live, say, in a city where you can't get close to a park, you could even look at a photograph of a tree. But trees basically um, breathe in our carbon dioxide, which is what we're breathing out, and they breathe out Mm -hmm. oxygen, which is what we're breathing in. We wouldn't be breathing in if they weren't breathing out and they wouldn't be breathing in if we weren't breathing out. I mean, there's really, that's cool. yeah, it's very cool. There's not much more of an intimate connection. And so, you know, I, I just invite people to sort of like hang out with a tree for a little bit, look at the bark, look at the beauty, like, you know, start doing that sort of conscious mutual breathing you're sharing breath with a tree and then look at everything it provides you know shade uh 
wood for building materials. Like it keeps the soil stable. So there aren't landslides. When we start sort of thinking about these things, we start really connecting deeply. And the next thing you know, you think twice before you're like ripping up plants and, you know, cutting down trees that don't necessarily need to be cut down. I'm not saying that we should never, you know, cut a tree. Obviously we live in a world where everything cycles through, but it's just, um, like almost a different level of attention. And so what happens is we can be outer directed and inner directed at the same time. And it becomes a mutually beneficial healing experience. We can actually start to heal ourselves. So even just staying with that example, like looking at a tree, we can learn to be rooted. We can learn to be firm and strong and still flexible and bendable. You know, we can learn that we can weather the storms. We can learn to let go, like we're seeing right now in the autumn, the trees, you know, right? They release yeah. their leaves. So there's just all of this stuff. Like we can learn from nature, we can gain from nature, and then we become better stewards of it as well as ourselves. So, you know, in a happy utopian world, everyone would reconnect and, you know, human beings and our beautiful planet would all coexist peacefully. I don't know that that's necessarily going to happen. I'm a realist as well, but my, you know, my dream would be for people to come back into more of a symbiotic relationship with the earth rather than what I feel is right now more of a parasitic relationship with the earth. Sure, so yeah. that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the purpose of it. But, you know, the, the other side of like, what that program is about is because so many people are disconnected right now and there are huge instances of anxiety and depression and probably more so now than ever simply because of what this year is like that sometimes it's really hard to say reach out and reconnect to people right i know Mm -hmm. um, you know, all of us have our things that we go through. And I personally have also experienced anxiety and depression. And I know that when I'm in a depressed state, um, you know, for most people, like the last thing you want to do is get out of bed and get dressed and go be friendly. That's the last thing you want to do. Right. Right. So what if somebody could maybe just get themselves out of bed and just go sit outside for a minute? The trees aren't going to ask anything of you. The birds and the sky isn't going to ask anything of you. You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to, you know, be polite and be, you know, vivacious, et cetera. <laughs> but you can just kind of reconnect that way. It's almost, I think of it almost like a back door. It's like the earth will be there for you and not judge and help you reconnect and by connecting to that, reconnect to yourself. And then the next step of reconnecting to others and hopefully reconnecting to that, which is larger than all of us, comes into play. And that's kind of where things become a lot more healing. I mean, I also, I provide tools for dealing with anxiety and depression, certain breath works and postures, et cetera. Um, but the earth, we just forget. We're in natural rhythm with it. And we've just kind of gotten so far away from that. So... The whole idea is that if we heal ourselves, we can't but help heal the earth. And if we heal the earth, that's also very healing to ourselves. So they really do sort of go together beautifully. Yeah, I, I love all of that. That's great. You mentioned one thing with kind of going and spending time with a tree mm -hmm. and experiencing mm -hmm. that. What would be some other ways, just because people live what we perceive to be like very 
packed full lives, Mm -hmm. um, which sometimes the reality of being packed full is that we are spending 30 minutes on TikTok. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. But (laughs) what are some other like small ways that you would suggest for people to reconnect to nature? What are some things that people could go do today after they listen to this? Yeah, that's a great question. So a couple of things would be just, you know, literally go outside and breathe. Not everybody's going to have a yard. Again, a lot of people are urban. You know, you live in a, in a concrete world and that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but you still have like air outside and you can see, even if it's just a sliver of sky, you can see sky. So what I usually recommend, particularly if it's someone that says, man, I don't have 15 minutes to go sit down with a bush, you know, (laughs) um, right. You know, everybody's got five minutes everybody's got five minutes. You can find five minutes, right? So walk outside, look up and find even a sliver of sky and just kind of recognize that you really are part of something much, much larger, regardless of what you call that or how you believe, right? You look up and you realize Mm -hmm. you're this this little speck and yet you are this little speck. You matter And so you just take a few slow, deep breaths. When we connect to our breath, when we actually realize and acknowledge and pay attention to the fact that we're inhaling and we're exhaling, that air that we're inhaling and exhaling is being inhaled and exhaled by every other creature on the planet that breathes. So we're literally connected through our breath. And I have read and been told multiple times that because there are a finite number of oxygen molecules in our atmosphere, at any given time, you could be breathing in the same molecules that were breathed in by like Joan of Arc or, you know, Jesus or Gandhi or any, like we're all breathing in and breathing back out the same molecules. And if that doesn't connect you, I don't know what does, right? And you can kind of, you can kind of get that sense of it when you look up of being, you know, of being really small and also being really significant because it's not an either or it's both. It's like, we are just tiny little pieces and yet we're really integral and we matter. And a lot of times we forget we matter or we wouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And that's, I, I love that thought of, you know, the breathing in the same molecules as these like iconic figures of history. That's such a, I've never thought about that, like, personally before. So I'm like, ooh, I'm going to go just that, like, that's something I will probably do. Yeah. It's like, wow. Even just thinking about, you know, something so simple. And it and it's really, like, a great practice of um, my, mindfulness. Yes. Which that that word's becoming really, I don't know if, if, if you notice this, but for me in a university setting, it's, like, a very trendy thing yes. right now. Yes. Like, we have professors that are like, we're going to practice mindfulness at the beginning of this class, which basically means we're going to sit in silence for two minutes before they start lecturing. And I'm like, I don't know if that's quite what that's about to be, 
But I think being mindful of breath in history, maybe that's a little bit more accurate. Yeah, I mean, truly the mindfulness. Yeah, (laughs) it is. It's like tuning into your breath. We're breathing all the time. But, you know, honestly, like think about it, Chandler. How often do you actually in your day go, wow, I'm inhaling. Oh, and now I'm exhaling. We don't think about it, right? So that whole, yeah, mindfulness is quite chic right now. (laughs) But um, when you do pay attention to your breath, what that does is just, even if it's just one breath for that moment, it's bringing you into the present moment. Like when you're paying attention to your breath, that's only happening right now, right here. And most of us do what one of my teachers, I love this calls time traveling. We're always time traveling, right? We're always back in the past or shooting ahead to the future. Well, so-and-so said that yesterday, or, oh my gosh, I've got to go do this. We're very rarely just in the moment. Well, your breath is always happening in the moment. So if you just pause, even for a couple of breaths and feel your breath, it will sort of recenter you. It kind of reprioritizes things. It brings you back down to earth right here, right now. Um, so the breath in a lot of traditions, actually, the breath is, you know, one of the main tools for kind of bringing you into the present moment um, and getting things sort of back on an even keel. Yeah. And, and that, that translates across so many different belief systems. Like I could be standing in my church, just like, you know, typical Mm non-denominational church. And we have worship songs that literally have lyrics about like breathing, you know? And so it's like, it's such a universal concept, I think, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to switch gears slightly still in the same vein. Just based on conversations that you and I have had over Mm -hmm. the years, I know that something else that you're really passionate about is practicing gratitude. Yes. Could you talk about that and how we can combat anxiety and those negative ruminating thoughts with just simply being grateful? What an absolute beautiful question. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Gratitude, honestly, is my daily practice. And you hit the nail on the head. It is like probably the most powerful practice you can do for anxiety and depression and really, like you said, negative thought patterns, self-criticism, self-judgment, any of those things that we all suffer from, right? So mm-hmm. here's kind of the, there's two sides to it. There's the science side, which I'm going to kind of talk about first, and then the more sort of like esoteric, touchy-feely side of it, because they're both really valuable. So scientifically- sure. As humans, we are actually wired to recognize negative things. Most people are like, oh, no. But really, it's a survival mechanism, and it's useful, right? We want to know that's the poison plant. So-and-so ate that and died. I'm not going to do that. It's how we stay alive. So we Mm -hmm. notice the negative things, right? And we're skewed towards seeing and remembering what's negative. So... The cool thing about our brains is that they can be rewired and changed. You know, this is neuroplasticity, also another really trendy phrase right now. Um, Yeah. (laughs) um, But from a neuroplastic standpoint, you can literally retrain your brain. And it's, it's an amazing tool, particularly for people who have like post-traumatic stress, Um, like thinking about even like some veterans, right? They're trained to look for danger, look for her, right? But what if you brought that same amount of attention 
to looking for things that are beautiful and looking to things that are special. And you can literally retrain your brain to start seeing positive things and to start looking for positive things. And the way you do that is gratitude, right? So it's, Mm -hmm. it's really cool that you can literally rewire your brain. I mean, you can still obviously pay attention to negative things for survival, you know, techniques, but you don't have to live your whole life that way. Gratitude will start to retrain your brain so that eventually the next thing, you know, pretty much what you're always seeing is beauty everywhere. Even when things seem bleak or dark, you'll still be able to see the beauty because you've trained your brain. So it's a beautiful antidote to depression and anxiety because it's very grounding. Now, from an emotional standpoint, they've done all of these studies that gratitude is the most overwhelmingly joyful and pleasant emotion to have. So why would we not want to have that? Because it's really not as fleeting as some of the other emotions. And so the cool thing to do, what I, you know, counsel a lot of people to do, it's my favorite thing to do, is make a point of finding, you know, I mean, I go for big numbers, but I tell people make a point of finding, (laughs) say, three things every day that you've never, ever been grateful for before. So you kind of have to start looking. So, you know, we're all grateful for those big things, right? I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful that I have a roof over my head. I'm grateful for my family. Um, You know, that, and you want to continue to be grateful for those things. You don't forget those things. But if you start looking like it can be something as simple as like, wow, I'm grateful for that beautiful cardinal that was singing outside my window this morning. What a gorgeous song. Or I'm grateful for the cooler morning. Um, You know, I'm grateful that my cup of coffee was particularly tasty this morning. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm grateful that, um, you know, I got into the car wash without having to wait in line. I mean, it's the tiniest things. But when you start looking and you make it a regular practice, You know, I'm going to be really cheesy here for a minute, but I'm going to tell you from my heart, your life changes when you become grateful for what you've already got and for what's already out in the world, you get more of it and you just find more and more things to be grateful for. And when you live your whole life in a grateful state, life is pretty sweet. That's great. I love that. I think grateful for being grateful for the little things is is powerful too because I think it's easy to default like oh the roof over my head this this the we almost do it like out of habit and well yes we're grateful for it like the sincerity maybe mm-hmm. isn't there as much as you know I made a smoothie this morning and it was flavor was great and it was healthy for me and so yeah. you know that almost feels more authentic in the moment yeah yeah and I mean we are glad you know I mean like we do have that gratitude but it kind of becomes sort of like this you know repetitive litany that we don't really put our heart into anymore right and Mm -hmm. so you know the small gratitudes and they don't have to be small sometimes they're really big I mean you know maybe you get an A in class or something I mean of course you feel great about it but if you just really pause and kind of savor that gratitude right? Wow. I worked, you know, so a lot of people be like, woo, got an A. But what if it's like, wow, I worked really hard and I studied hard for this class and I did everything. And look, I got rewarded for the work I put in. I'm so grateful somebody recognized how hard I worked. You know, you can kind of take it a step further and really 
um, what's interesting is that your body physiologically responds to gratitude. Your cells love that. It's a really healthy state to be in. Your immune system is actually enhanced when you're in a grateful state. I mean, it's amazing. You know, our cells are actually kind of listening to us. So, you know, if we're always like, oh, this is just terrible and oh, this is so bad. Your cells are like, we're in big trouble. Let's just like fold up and die. Right. But if you're like, wow, <laughs> this is great. Look at this amazing life I'm living in. And this is fantastic. Look, you know, like you said, like your great smoothie, your cells are like, yay, we're healthy. I mean, really, our bodies are so affected by our minds and our minds are what create our emotions. Our thoughts actually create our emotions. The emotions mm -hmm. are very real, but it's our thoughts about things that create our emotions. So why would we not spend time on the thoughts that are actually creating positive, healthy, useful emotions. And you can slowly train yourself to do this either by, like I said, keeping a gratitude journal or just making a point of looking for at least three brand new things to be grateful for. But you can also, if you practice that trendy mindfulness, um, <laughs> if you really start paying attention to your thoughts, and that does take some practice, but if you start paying attention to your thoughts, when you catch yourself in one of those sort of negative thought loops, for me, they're kind of a loop. They just go around and around. Yeah. You can actually go, hey, whoa, look, I'm being really self-critical. Let me stop for a moment. Let me be grateful that maybe right now, even though I feel gross and blah, 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 I have a really amazing mind. I'm so grateful that I have my intelligence. Like you can just start to flip the script is what I say. You just stop. You start consciously, intentionally, like changing the negative thoughts into the positive, grateful thoughts. And it starts to shift everything because again, your physiology, your brain chemistry, everything will change. I mean, this isn't just like woo woo. Oh, it feels great. Even though it does. I mean, there's actually science behind this. The science of gratitude is pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that's cool. And I think that that's, that's a great kind of lead into my next question for you, which is you work in an industry and you have a, a lifestyle of practicing yoga and being in tune with nature that unfortunately kind of gets like poo pooed off in society. Oh, totally. Like, Definitely. Oh, tree huggers, hippie, whatever. Yes, yes. Like even still today in 2020, <laughs> oh, yeah. that happens. And so I'm sure, I mean, I, I kind of hope that there are people out there listening who, who this is all very new, but there are probably, I would imagine the same person that says, I don't have 15 minutes to go hang out with a bush, mm -hmm. um, would probably also be pretty skeptical about this. And uh, my question for you is, what would you say to somebody that it might be a little bit closed off to these concepts, you know, maybe a resource of, of the science or anything like that. Right. Right. And, you know, and that's actually a really, it's a good point because the truth is, and, and, um, you know, I'm saying this as I'm smiling and laughing here, but, um, you know, there are 
plenty of people out there that certainly perpetuate and enhance those stereotypes. Sure. You know, I mean, seriously. So yeah, trust me, I know as like as a yoga instructor or a yogi, whatever, you know, okay, we're all flaky and like little airheaded, like you said, little tree huggers and like we're all dancing around like little fairies and, you know, and the truth is Chandler, there is some of that out there. And so you know, first of all, it's like with any other industry, honestly, it's, you know, unfortunately, it's that caveat emptor, right? Buyer beware. And not that you have to buy into it, but um, not all yoga instructors are trained the same way or think the same way, um, not to discount anything that anyone is doing. But there is like a true art and science to yoga. The reason it's still here after 5,000 years or more is because it works and it is being proven by neuroscience. And so I get the skepticism because if I weren't a yogi and didn't know a lot of the science behind it, I'd probably be one of those people. So I kind of understand mm -hmm. that. And so, you know, what I would say is, you know, yeah, start doing some of the research. And for someone who is interested, you know, definitely dip your toe in the pond and try some yoga, but find out about the instructor's training. Um, one thing I tell everybody is if you go to a yoga class and you hate it, don't assume that yoga is not for you. That style of yoga or that instructor is definitely not for you, but somewhere out there, there's someone that you would resonate with. So don't give up. But you can also do this practice, you know, again, this is going to be counter to what a lot of people are going to say, but the physical part of yoga is really only one eighth of what yoga is. It's really just, and it's number three in the list, right? So it's really not that big a deal. The physical part is important to us these days because, you know, a lot of us don't move enough or we've got too much stress and tension that we need to burn off. Mm -hmm. But the sweet spot comes in the later phases of it, which is the breath work and the meditation. And honestly, you can start with just five minutes of that. And there's plenty of science to back it up. So, you know, as far as meditation, the Dalai Lama has done a lot of, he's, you know, he and some of his monks have like given themselves over to like Stanford scientists to hook them up to, you know, MRIs, et cetera, et cetera. And, and there are studies that show you can actually increase your gray matter in the prefrontal cortex. And there's tons of stuff that, you know, if people want to know, they can just do a little bit of research. Um, mm -hmm. but, but truly you do have to, and I hate to say this, but you do have to be careful. I, I know a person who actually went to a yoga instructor that was not very well trained and didn't know what they were doing and they, they hurt them. Oh, um, no. yeah. And so, you know, some of the stuff that you hear out there about like, Oh, you can get hurt doing yoga and whatever. Unfortunately, in some cases it can be true. I think a little bit of skepticism is healthy. It's not the practice that isn't um, safe and effective and highly valuable, it's the messenger. So for those of us who consider themselves just messengers, we have to be really um, very mindful that we're properly trained, that we know what we're doing, that we don't go outside our scope of practice. And that if we don't know something, we say we don't know it and we'll find out. But um, you know, the practice as a physical practice, you have to be really careful with it. The practice as an internal practice, 
of reconnecting to yourself and others and something greater than you. Um, the internal practice is absolutely safe. It's proven to work. Um, some of the latest neuroscience, um, like Bessel van der Kolk and some of the preeminent neuroscientists and therapists these days are actually recommending yoga as one of the top therapies. But again, it's kind of the traditional, you know, mindfulness-based um, yoga and breathwork practices. Sure. So, you know, yeah. So, but, but yeah, a little bit of skepticism is not necessarily a bad idea. If there is anyone listening who's skeptical, good for you. Um, but do some research. <laughs> I think you'll be surprised. It's not all woo-woo. I, um, I have a lot of doctors here in the town that I live in that I'm very, very fortunate to have as clients and friends who know enough about what I do and what this practice is that they will sometimes write my name on a prescription pad for someone who doesn't want to take antidepressants or wants to use that as a last resort or something. So mm. there's definitely some validity to it. That's cool. You, you've shared a lot of really great um, advice and, and information today. But if you, because part of, part of the show is that I want to give the guests like really the to be the forefront of it because mm. you're talking about things that I don't really know about. And so I'm learning too, but if there was just, and maybe you've already said it and you can say it again if you'd like to, but if there's one, the, the biggest thing that you'd like for people to know, like if, if somebody had this on during a run and they were zoned out the whole time, what's the one thing you'd want them to remember um, from what you've shared with us today about gratitude and reconnection and things like that? You know, the, the biggest thing I would say, honestly, is you matter. Like, you matter. Whoever you are, you matter. And whatever practices you need to do to remind yourself of that on a daily basis, you matter. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. So just remember that. I love that. Um, where can people find you and follow you and learn about like thumbprints and tree stumps like I saw on Facebook the other day. I love that. Is that not the so coolest cool. thing? I know. It was, I'm just, it's so, yeah, I, it blew me away. Honestly, it was great. It's really cool. There's so many other parallels. Like if you look, you know, now that the trees are losing their leaves, if you look at um, sort of barren trees, they look exactly like our bronchioles and our lungs and we're sharing breath with them. It's just really cool. They're, oh, that's I awesome. know, right? Um, where people can find me, um, I have my online program is at um, healingwithnatureandyogatherapy.com. I know that's really long and I apologize for that, but hey, it was a free URL. So, <laughs> so that's, Woo. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> healingwithnatureandyogatherapy.com, that's where the online program is and some information about me. But I've also got an Instagram, which is healing underscore nature underscore yoga. Um, there's also Healing With Nature and Yoga Therapy Facebook page. And if you go to the page, um, there's a place where you can join a special private group. Um, and I'd love for anybody that's interested in this to join the group. I sometimes put some different stuff in there and it's just about yoga for a deeper connection to nature. Um, so any of those places are a good place to get me, or you can just contact me directly at info at healing with nature and yoga therapy.com. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was great. You You're are so an awesome interviewee. <laughs> Thank you, Chandler. I really appreciate the uh, opportunity to 
talk about what I'm passionate about because like I said, it's pretty obvious I am passionate about it and I'm, I'm grateful. See, there's that gratitude. I'm grateful that yes. I had the opportunity to chat with you and to share some information. So thank you. Thank you. Were I to make a list of the coolest people that I know, Patty would definitely be very, very high on that list. I appreciate so much all of the wisdom that she brought today. I am definitely going to take some of that advice myself. I would encourage you to do the same. Get outside, take some time to pause and breathe and be grateful. You can find Patty online at any of the resources she mentioned. I will repeat them for you very quickly. You can find her at healingwithnatureandyogatherapy.com. Also find that Facebook page, Healing with Nature and Yoga Therapy, and be sure and join that group. She posts a lot of really fun content. I was mentioning the tree stump and thumbprint thing. Seriously, go look at it. It it boggled my mind. No joke. Not just saying that for the podcast. I really was amazed by that. You can also follow her on Instagram at healing underscore nature underscore yoga. Please go check out her course, Heal Yourself, Heal the Earth. It's got a lot of really great information. Hey, thank you so much for taking a chance on the very first episode of this project. I really appreciate it. You are as much a part of this as I am and as my guests are. I would love to keep the conversation going when episodes are not coming out. There are just a few ways for you to connect. Follow me on Twitter at Sound of Chandler, or you can shoot me an email at unpackingpassions at gmail.com. Use the hashtag HeyUPPodcast on social media. That way I know what is up and what we are talking about. And lastly, if you enjoyed what you heard today, I promise there is more great stuff coming. Please subscribe to this podcast and please give a rate and a review. It genuinely does help. Thanks so much for listening and tune in next time.